Hello, I'm Michael W. Kithcart. Welcome to Champions of Risk Podcast, where we have conversations that explore the many aspects of risk that occur in our lives so that we can all face uncertainty with more resilience, confidence, and humor together. I'm really excited to talk to our guest today, Rebecca Langawa. She's the founder of Happy Warrior, a consulting agency specialized in esports and sports technology. And if you're saying, what the heck is that? By the end of this podcast, you're going to know. Her mission is to develop growth strategies for esports organizations and help non-endemic brands navigate the world of esports. Rebecca, welcome. Thank you, Michael. This is going to be fun. I just have to ask, first and foremost, what led you to becoming a consultant in a youth-oriented, male-dominated, still unchartered territory called esports? Well, um, my background is in sports, traditional sports um, and sports marketing. So for me, working within esports happened absolutely organically through utilizing a lot of my knowledge in sports tech and um, working with VC companies that were investing within that space. What we saw was a lot of esports startups, more tech startups around esports applying to our cohorts and looking for funding. So I was just interested in learning more about esports and making sure that the space was something that kind of fit within the portfolio structures of the VC firms that I was working with. And it has just completely intrigued me and I can't stop learning. I just keep learning. Were you already involved with VC firms before esports or was it esports that led you there? No, I was already involved. Um, I had some conversations with one of the founders of Sports Engine about really missing working in pro sports and wanting to learn more about the sports tech space. And they were doing phenomenal things at the time. He recommended I have a conversation with Tim Hayden from Stadia Ventures out of St. Louis to see if there was a way that I could get involved with everything that they were building there around sports technology. So I had been involved with them for about six months when we started seeing these esports startups applying to our cohort. Okay. And for those who might not be really familiar with esports... Can you give us kind of a brief definition definition of what it encapsulates? Yes. Um, it is not the easiest thing to really explain. It's, it's extremely complex. It's an entire ecosystem. Um, Jason Tricano from Elevar Gaming gives a really good explanation or, or um, comparison to the Olympics. You can't just explain the Olympics. There's so many different facets within. But the gist of esports is really there's a ton of video games out there. People have been playing video games for 30 years. And esports is the competitive nature of video gaming. So one team or one individual that is a gamer that's competing against another team or another individual, and it's game-specific, and there's maybe 30 different games that are esports. Okay, and my understanding now that is that within the age group of like, mm, I don't know, maybe 18 to 34, I don't know if I have this completely right, but uh, that age group is more likely to actually watch somebody else play a video game than to go to a sporting event. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot more um, hours being viewed, but traditional sports is still very much a part of the lives of esports enthusiasts. Um, there's a lot of different data out there, and it changes all the time. But the majority of esports fans are um, 
are men. There's a lot of women that are fans of esports as well. Um, I don't have like exact stats memorized, but it is extremely prevalent amongst um, not only the people that you are imagining. Um, a lot of people think it's going to be like. 13-year-old nerds that hang out in their mom's basement that are really into this. It's not. It's a really diverse um, sect of people that are really passionate about watching esports. Um, and and I think I would include in there the streamers because streamers are not necessarily esports competitors, but uh, players like Ninja are absolutely at the tip of the tongue when people are talking about esports and gaming. Where do you see that industry, the industry of esports going? Because you're really in the thick of it. Yeah, I think that it is normalizing first. Um, it's still pretty early stateside here. So there's a lot of people call it the Wild West. There's not an overarching governing esports organization. It is um, very uh, siloed. Um, it is a little bit hard to navigate. And where I like to focus a lot of my energies is on things that are really unifying the space, holistically bringing things together and more from you know different platforms and, um, and AI and using data analytics to really bring the entire world of esports kind of underneath one, um, one larger umbrella, not, not necessarily saying like the way that the Olympics has this big oversight that, that that's the direction it's going. But I think there's a lot of alignment that's going to start happening. And so I feel like the industry as a whole is starting to move towards full integration. Right now, things are very siloed and there are a lot of marked measures uh, currently to bring a lot of data analytics and, and system integrations kind of together so that it's doesn't feel so much like the Wild West. It feels more of a traditional um, organization or um, sets of organizations uh, similar to traditional sports. My understanding is that this e- the esports industry is going to be a over a two billion dollar industry by the end of next year, twenty twenty one. So, given that, like, what do you? How do you see your role in that? How are you influencing the industry? First to the numbers, I think that it's really hard to to really quantify what those numbers are going to be. They uh, absolutely depend on brands being willing to invest in the space and get into that space through sponsorship uh, dollars. So 50 to 80% of revenue that's being projected will come from brands. Um, With that said, what I'm trying to do within the industry is educate a brand that maybe is this all new to them. They don't understand how they fit within the space. But knowing that the Gen Z and the millennial audience is spending so much time with their eyeballs in esports and streaming systems, it's imperative for brands to pay attention and insert themselves appropriately so that they can monetize. Um, I think the the facts that I just read on Gen Z were that they spend, it was over $400 million a year. So being able to capitalize on that Gen Z and that millennial audience, being able to help them navigate that appropriately is where I want to spend my time and energy. That's great. When you're talking about the the to the brands, 
this is still uncharted territory, as you're saying, and nobody really knows exactly where it's going to go. How do you help brands kind of mitigate their risk in getting involved in esports? I think the biggest mistake that brands can make or have been making in this space is making their goal getting into esports. Your goal shouldn't be, I want to be in esports or I want my brand associated with esports. Your goal should be the same business goal that you've always had. And then taking that specific business goal, whether it's selling more of a specific product or if you're a food company and you want more people that could be customers to taste your food or to drink your drink and become early adopters of what you have, you need to be able to appropriately get into that space and in a way that you can mark um, either the call of action or whatever that key performance indicator is, the way that you would activate in any other traditional sense. Um, There's a lot of brands that are just throwing their logo on something or handing over that strategy to a specific esports organization like a team and relying on the team to activate when the team is not a marketing strategist. Okay. Probably good advice all the way around on that. Uh, I want to back up a little bit because you mentioned when we first started that you had a history in sports and that kind of led with the the esports, but you also have your own company. And you know, that is entrepreneurs are risk takers. And I'm just curious, what what was the path kind of that led you to founding Happy Warrior and really taking this business and making it your own? Um, so Happy Warrior has been um, kind of like my little side hustle throughout the past eight years or so. Um, and for me, I really wanted to be able to choose where I was going to spend my time and work on things that I was really passionate about. So I started Happy Warrior. I was a stay-at-home mom for a long time. And while I stayed home and raised my son when he was very young, I would freelance um, utilizing a lot of the experience that I had in working in advertising agencies. I would do um, photo editing. The Timberwolves and Lynx were a client of mine at the time. Um, I was producing photo shoots and film shoots, doing really high-end events, um, and still being able to do all of the planning from home, maybe dropping Roman for a few days at a drop-in daycare while I was on set somewhere. And um, after I got divorced, I took a full-time job. So I've kind of like tipped in, tipped out, tipped in, tipped out, kind of based on what's happening at the moment within my life. Mm -hmm. But really me building out Happy Warrior and having this brand has just meant that I can live authentically and work on things that really put a fire in my belly. And I, I love the name, by the way, Happy Warrior. It's, it, um, it just sticks with me. The, the point that you made earlier is a point that a lot of people that might be listening right now are at, and it's like you went back and you got a job. And there was a point in where you decided that that just wasn't going to work for you anymore. What was that situation like? Because you had to make some pretty big, hard decisions. Yeah, scary decisions, because... When I decided to take a full-time job, I worked for a company that had been my client. They were um, a client that I had been working for just part-time. 
And I was going through, you know, life throws curveballs at you that you just aren't necessarily expecting. And I felt like I had been standing on a super solid rock, like a really solid foundation. And then suddenly it was just gone. I had an opportunity to take a full-time position there. And it was a really, it was great pay and uh, a wonderful organization, but it wasn't mine. And it wasn't the, what I was doing every day I could do. And it was a lot of work, but I wasn't super passionate about that, about that industry and about what I was able to do every day. I really wanted to be able to control the direction that the organization was going to go in and have more of a voice. Um, That's just that entrepreneurial spirit in me. I'm a gap recognizer. So when I see a gap, I want to voice it. I want to fill it. Um, I, I love looking for new opportunities and, um, I just felt like the only way to be happy within the space that I was, was to become complacent. And I was losing myself. I just didn't feel like I could authentically be me in that space. And it's not against what they were doing. It's a successful company and they're phenomenal human beings. It just wasn't what I was bred to do at all. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good enough either. I wasn't feeling inspired and I wasn't feeling like myself in that in that organization. So what gave you the strength to leave? I really wanted to do some epic shit. (laughs) Truly. I wanted to just work on some stuff that made me excited every single morning. I got to a, I got to a point where I felt like I was letting everybody down. I was pouring so much into work that I wasn't, um, the mom that I wanted to be. I wasn't, I didn't have joy in I'd wake up in the morning stressed out about the time that it would take to get the kids ready off to school. Then I had to get on a bus and I was taking a bus downtown. Then I was like rushing to the office and sick to my stomach if I was going to be late. And um, then I would go home a lot of times, pick up the kids from after school care. My kids were going to both before school care and after school care get them home, make them dinner, get back into my car and then drive downtown again to entertain clients. And I was just feeling like I wasn't enough for my employer. I wasn't definitely was not enough for my kids. And I was completely uh, just ignoring my own personal needs. I was feeling exhausted and resentful and it's a horrible place to be. And um, it was nobody's fault truly, but but my own in standing on my own two feet and truly taking that risk of knowing where I wanted to be. I was just scared for a long time to do it. So when I started feeling like I didn't want to get up and go, then Mm -hmm. I knew I needed to make a change pretty quickly. Yeah. Then the rumble became louder. Mm -hmm. You described the feelings that a lot of people have right before they make something big happen. So to your point, you wanted to make something epic happen What's the, you, you talked about that entrepreneurial spirit. Where does that come from? Um, well, I think there's two things. The biggest factor for me in my life, whether it was good or bad, was watching my dad as a kid. Uh, my dad hated his job and, and he was two different people. My dad, Monday through Friday, I was scared sometimes when he came home to ask him how his day was, but he was my dad. I wanted to also be a part of his life, but 
the one overarching answer, my brother and sister would tell you this too, is we would say like, hey dad, how was your day? And he would lament long and tiring. And he'd sit on the couch and he wouldn't even move. My mom would bring him dinner to the couch. He just would sit there. It was like the one where you pull the little lever and your legs scoop up. Um, And spending time with my dad during the week was usually snuggled up next to him. Um, even in my teenage years, snuggled up next to him and watching whatever show he wanted to watch. He had no energy to do anything during the week. And he was pretty miserable. But then my dad on the weekends, my dad on the weekends was like a super fun guy. He was full of life. He coached a softball team that my mom played on. He was my brother's Boy Scout troop leader. He was a park ranger for the Sherburne County National Wildlife Refuge. He was involved in so many things and he was so full of life. And he was like the hands-on dad that taught you everything, whether you needed to learn about acorns again, he would like beat you in the head about the acorn and just anything about nature. My dad was all about taught me to fish, taught my kids to fish. That is his legacy. And to be able to recognize that, do you want to truly live two days a week or do you want to truly live seven days a week has always kind of stuck in the back of my head. And even My dad still, he passed away um, almost 10 years ago, and he's still a huge driving force for my life every day. And Happy Warrior was a poem that my dad had um, hanging in his den as a young child. Um, Happy Warrior was written um, as a nod during the Napoleon War um, about being a soldier, but also at the same time being really connected to God and your own inner purpose and not being defined by being this, being this in, in battle, being a soldier, still holding true to your identity the entire time. Mm-hmm. When I worked in pro sports and I worked in the NBA, that really resonated with me a lot because I was watching these athletes and many of them were losing themselves to the sport. And that's been my other big driving force is no matter what I'm doing for work, I want it, I want my every single day to be tied to who I am who my spirit is, who, who am I as an individual? And I want everything I do to reflect that. That's really uh, empowering, both, both examples, Rebecca. And thank you for sharing that about your dad, especially. We'll, we'll find that poem and we'll put it in the show's notes yes. because I think people would like to see that after knowing the story yeah. behind it. It is called The Characteristics of a Happy Warrior. Characteristics of a Happy Warrior. Okay, that's great. So you saw that in your dad. You bring up such an important point too about being your authentic self and that, you know, your uh, identity, sometimes people get so wrapped up with their identity and their job title, and it's really more about who you are and not what you do. Um, you've managed to bring the two together. They're, they're now synonymous. And so how are you showing up in all the work that you're doing every single day? The biggest, the biggest way I feel that I show up every day is helping people solve problems. Um, I'm a natural servant leader. And while you get taken advantage of quite a bit, by the way, when you're a servant leader, uh, I just know that that's one of the things that I'm going to have to and put you're, up with. And you're willing to risk yeah. that. I'm, I'm willing to risk that because I could, I, I don't write them all down in document, but I have literally been able, I'm a dot connector to help so many people that I care about and even strangers forge a new path and, and find um, their, their next big thing just through my network, uh, almost 
in some ways it's been through just encouraging them, but in others it's helping people find another job. I mean, I've, I'm not a life coach by any means, but I do find a lot of pride and joy in knowing that people look to me as somebody to, um, to have an, to, to lend an ear to, or to have a, be a shoulder for them to, to cry on and to be their encourager and, and open their eyes to like really what's possible. You're you know? a champion I for others. Am, well, I was a high school cheerleader and I still feel very much like I'm a cheerleader for a lot of people, whether, um, whether they've been in my life for 20 years or 20 minutes, I just really believe in people. I think people are beautiful. And if there's ways that I can add value to their lives, then that's purpose, right? Yes, it absolutely is. And with that attitude, we need, we need more of that attitude spread throughout the world, Rebecca. So keep doing what you're doing. How would you define the term risk? Um, risk. It's funny because I have been thinking a lot about just your podcast called champion of risk champions of risk. And I'm like, dude, like I know I'm taking a lot of risks in life, but I still, I'm not sure I feel like quite the champion, right? Like it's a terrifying thing. Risk is the feeling you get when you're going up a roller coaster and you're getting towards the top. To me, that's risk. It's that, that uncertainty, that moment of, when those that clink 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 of the roller coaster gets to where it just stops and the next thing's going to be a free fall right yeah. it's, it's a little terrifying um that's the life of an entrepreneur i think it is, it is the highs and lows it's a great and, analogy but to me that's risk it's um my mom would say when we were kids do it afraid mm. and that's risk do it afraid i am terrified all the time. I'm not kidding. I literally will lay in bed and have to, um, there's certain scriptures that I'll repeat in my mind because I'll get these ruminating thoughts or these doubts and those, and these fears and they, they are not from God obviously. So I try to really hone in on, um, doing it afraid, trusting God. He hasn't taken me this far to just let me fall mm-hmm. and trying my best that, I might not know exactly what the future holds, but I have control over today. And if today I can get up and work as hard as I absolutely can, then I might not see the reward immediately, but it's there. And just trusting that it's that it's on the other side. Yes, that consistency, even on the days when things are hard. Absolutely. Uh, that does get you to the other side. Yeah. I love what your mom said, you know, do it afraid. That's, that's a good mantra. It is. And, uh, any other words that you would maybe offer to others? Uh, sounds like lots of people seek you out, Rebecca. Uh, if somebody is wanting to make a big leap in their life, maybe it's around a job, maybe it's to start their own business. What words of encouragement or advice do you offer? Well, I wouldn't encourage people just to quit their job and just try, you know, to start from scratch. Um, Obviously, for me, everything's been a slow build, and I'm still trying to figure it out. And I have um, some really good months and then some really scary months. So I wouldn't say, like, I'm a major success story. Quit your job and follow whatever your dream is. (laughs) Um, But there's ways that you can live out your passion. I think we live in a culture that makes people feel very one-dimensional doesn't Mm -hmm. celebrate multi-dimensionalism very much 
um, people want to know, they want one answer from you of who you are and what you're good at and what you do. And I love being multidimensional. I like to paint. I make jewelry. I have a little studio in Northeast that I design jewelry out of. Um, I like hunting and fishing and I'm a data nerd. I love marketing and advertising. I've produced events, I've done things in experiential. You just have to follow the things that give you a little bit of life. And if you're able to turn it into career, great. If you're unhappy in your career, you might just be planted in the wrong garden. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has the um, ability to you know, emotionally have that ability to just leap. I mean, there's sometimes I wish that God would have blessed me with the type of mindset where I could just be happy working for the same company for 30 years. My, my life might be a little simpler, but that's not how I'm wired. So I don't, I wouldn't expect anybody to say, Oh, I want to do what she's doing when they're not wired like me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think just really exploring all of the facets of yourself that make you feel alive. And even in small ways, just giving a little bit of time to those, um, be, being a little bit more well-rounded. I think everybody could use that advice. It is. It's, it's, again, lots of great points in there because uh, it's not for everyone to start a business. And you don't have to. I mean, there's lots of ways to, you know, take on new opportunities, uh, be a little bit braver right within the current, you know, situation that you're in. Or maybe you start recognizing that you're out of alignment. It's not that you're not good at it. It's just you're not doing it in the right place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of that, I think uh, the words that you just shared um, can hold true in all of those situations. Uh, Rebecca, you said you know, like you do all of these things. How can we follow you? Uh, the best way to to really be engaged with what I'm doing is LinkedIn. I am. Um, very intentional about being open and sharing content on LinkedIn. Um, I will um, post different speaking engagements that I have on LinkedIn or upload um, like this type of a conversation. I'll definitely add those types of things on there. And I am someone who I don't have notifications on my phone for almost, I mean, nothing really on my phone, Uh, but I do have my notifications for LinkedIn. LinkedIn's been a huge... um, opportunity for me to drive business and um, meet people from all over the world and be able to have conversations with people on the other side of the planet that believe in what I believe in without having to, you know, pay to fly there or have some type of a call. I mean, LinkedIn's been really powerful for me. I'm smiling because that's actually how you and I connected. It is. <laughs> Just so like, hey, it kind of looks like we have some similar interests. Let's get together. And by the way, Rebecca was like, that sounds great. Let's do it. Yep. So thank you so much for taking time to share your story on Champions of Risk. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Thank you. So our purpose with Champions of Risk is to first and foremost champion the people who are bravely taking leaps in life. We know storytelling is, is a powerful learning tool, and our hope is that you may see yourself in some of these stories, and in doing so, it will allow you to be a little braver and a little more daring to take a risk in your life, whatever that may look like. If you know of someone with a good story to share, please reach out to us at michaelwkithcart.com. And if you'd like some help taking a big leap and reaching your potential, let's connect and talk about coaching. And again, that's at michaelwkithcart.com.